Dustin, if you want to go ahead and put that first slide up there just in review. We say a lot of times on Sunday morning how we need to look at Sunday mornings as more of a staff meeting, if you will. We're here to get together, to learn, to grow, then to say, okay, what are we going to do with this information? And that's what I want us to do here tonight. I want us to take the information that's given and say, okay, how are we going to move forward with this? What are we going to do as individuals and also as a church? Now, this is Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. This has been our foundational verse for the last three weeks. We've been talking about works, understanding the biblical idea of what works are. Not works to get us saved, not works to keep us saved, not works to pat us on our back, not works to make us feel good. But now that we are saved in Christ, what are we going to do with that information? So Ephesians 2, 8, 9, For by grace you have been saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Three weeks ago we laid that foundation, making sure we understand what that is. Saved by grace and faith, not of works. But then we immediately said, look at verse 10. For we are as a workmanship, creating Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Basically this, I'm not saved by works. I can't get saved by works. But now that I am saved, God wants me to go out and work. Once God has changed the internal in me, he now wants to see some fruit and evidence in the external. And that's what we're really talking about. If you have been changed by Christ on the inside, you are born again, you are a new creation in Christ, that should change how you do life on the outside. Last week we got into James. We talked about how in James it says, faith without works is dead. James says, show me your faith by your works. James is saying, when you have been changed on the inside by Christ, that is going to be evidence on the outside. So we build on this for the last few weeks. Ephesians 2.10 was one of our verses there, which we just read, that were created beforehand that we should walk in good works. And we talk about Titus 3, this is a faithful saying, and these things I want you to affirm constantly. We're supposed to be talking about this on a regular basis, that those who believe in God should be careful to maintain good works. Not just to have a day of it, not just to have a moment of it, not this is just my Sunday to serve or my Wednesday to serve, but to maintain this. These things are good and profitable to many. And then in Hebrews 10.24, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. One translation says to provoke one another to love and good works. That means it's not wrong to look at somebody and say, hey, how can I pray for you? Or, hey, how are you serving the Lord? Or, what has the Lord laid on your heart to do? I'm provoking that in a good way, stirring that up in a good way. Once again, not to pat us on the back, not to say, look at me. But to say, Lord, I want to do something for you because of what you have done for me. And we gave some specific examples of this. Next slide real quick, Dustin. And these are the specific examples. Because we talk about how in the Bible so often God talks in generalities. Love all. Be kind to all. Okay, we got that. But specifically, he says, hey, I want you to take care of the strangers and the prisoners. Specifically. I want you to reach out to those people that you don't know to represent Jesus to them. I want you to reach out to those in prison that you can minister to them. Widows and orphans, I want you to minister to those that have nobody. They've lost that love of their life. Those orphans that have no mom, have no dad. Maybe they do have a mom and dad, but their mom and dad are kind of bums. So you see that young boy that needs a father figure in his life. Yeah, he's got a dad, but he has no father figure. You see that young lady that needs the role model of a godly woman. 
So maybe you step and get involved in their lives. Fasting is a work. And to serve God by fasting and prayer. We talked about that last week. That listen, you may not go to the prayer booth, you may not help in VBS, etc., but you can take the time to fast for that. That's what God says you can do it. No one may ever know about it. You may have said, you know what, I want tonight to be a blessing, so I fasted over supper for church that no one may ever know. Poor, 1 John 3.17, and then the sick in Matthew 25. These are specific things that God gave us. I said, now go do them. Now, you may not be called at every moment of the day to the strangers, the widows, the orphans, etc., but you are called to be open to that ministry. It would be wrong for you to come in and say, James, um, I'm never going to minister to a widow. Well, no, the Lord may lead you to do that. At this season of life, you may not have opportunity, but you know what? A widow may move in next door. You may run into one. You may not know orphans, or you may not know anybody in prison at this moment, but when God opens the door, He says, I want you to be ready and available, because these are good things I want you to do. Doesn't mean I want you to sit here with a checklist tonight and say, okay, uh, I talked to a stranger today, I met a widow, I just got to knock prisoner and orphan off, and I got the complete list. That's not what we're doing. That's not a game. It's being available to those specific things when they pop up. And if you take these things right here, these seven things, and you put them into your prayer life, I guarantee the Lord's going to bring that widow into your life that you can minister. I guarantee the Lord's going to bring that poor, that prisoner that would have you into your life. That you can say, Lord, I get to represent Jesus Christ to them. So this is what I call prayers of preparation. You're preparing yourself in prayer for something that's coming. You don't know when it's coming. You don't know what it's going to look like. You may be standing at the checkout, and you see the man beside you, and you just hear him make a comment about his wife that passed away. Right there, you have a widow that you can minister to. Right now, your heart may be going to that young kid in your town, your community, or your block that you know has no parental guidance in any way whatsoever. And you may say, you know what? That's the kid I can get involved in their life. That's my orphan at this time. The Lord will just open it up. And it may be closer than what you think. The widow in your life may be your mom or your dad. That may be your ministry. The poor in your life may be somebody you work with. The prisoner may be somebody in your own family. I think sometimes we complicate ministry and we're looking for this big, grandiose thing. It's like, nope, sometimes it's just right there in front of our face. So we have laid the groundwork. We've given specific examples. Okay, now we've got to go do it. Dustin, can you go to the next slide here? I emphasized a few of these words. 2 Timothy 4, 5. But you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of evangelists, fulfill your ministry. Colossians 4.17, and say to Archippus, Take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord, that you may fulfill it. Romans 12.6, Having then gifts differing according to grace that is given to us, let us use them. What the Lord is saying is fulfill the ministry that God has given you. Use the gifts that God has given you. Get out there and do something. Now, let's stop right here for a moment. I have to give you some danger signs. Danger sign one. You go out there now and you're crazy for Jesus. Amen. You looked at these ministry opportunities and said, I'm going to do it. This is what I want to do. This is the ministry I want to be. Danger sign one. Pride. Look at me. Look at me. See, most of the Christians I know are just sitting there doing nothing, but look at me. I'm out there doing something. Danger sign number two. Pride becomes frustration. Look at them. They're not doing anything. 
Why am I the only one doing anything? Remember, you're doing it for the Lord and the Lord alone. You keep your eyes on Jesus Christ and no one else. Be careful of the pride of saying, look at me, and be careful of the frustration of, look at them, they're not doing something. It is really easy to jump back and forth between those things. Well, if everybody loved Jesus like I love Jesus, it would be different. Or, look at them, I'm so frustrated. I'm the only one that signs up to do stuff. I'm the only one that's doing anything. Be careful of those two danger areas. Now, point number two. This is not a lesson of saying you need to go out and do more. This may be a lesson of where you actually need to do less. See, so often when we teach on lessons like this, it sounds like we're saying, get out there and do more. No, 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 no. This is where the lesson is coming here tonight. I want us to focus on those phrases, fulfill your ministry. I want you just to focus on your ministry that God gave you. Some of you may be doing things in life tonight that is not the ministry God gave you, and so therefore you need to start learning how to do less. Because you're biting off more than you can chew, and you're doing things the Lord has not led you to do. What you're doing may be good, what you're doing may be nice to people, but if it's not the Lord's leading, then you need to step back and say, why am I doing this? Fulfill your ministry. Fulfill it. I know some believers that are busy. There's no doubt about it. But I honestly don't know if they're fulfilling the ministry God gave them. They're sure busy out there doing stuff. But is it really what the Lord has called them to do? See, what we need to talk about here is this idea of what does it mean to have a calling? (coughs) See, I don't want you to fill a need. I want you to fulfill a calling. See, so often in messages like this in church, then you start talking about needs. Okay, well, here are the needs that are in the church. I don't want you to fill a need. I want you to pray and say, what am I called to do? Then that's the ministry I'm going to go do. Because if you're filling a need, that may not be of the Lord. Well, there's a need that needs to be taken care of. Amen. But it may not need to be taken care of by you. See, so often in a lot of churches, we're not looking for people to fulfill a calling or ministry. They're just looking for warm bodies. You're available the second Sunday of the month? Good. Four-year-olds need to help her go back your call. Don't even pray about it. You don't even have to. Holy Spirit told me you're called. No. A lot of times I've had people come up to me and they say, can you tell me where the needs are in the church or can you tell me where you want us to be used? I hesitate answering that question because then I'm responding in the flesh. I'm responding in, well, I think your personality matches well with this and so therefore I'm going to plug you in here. So my response normally is, and don't ever take offense to this, please don't. If you come up to me and say, James, I'm willing to serve where? My response back to you is going to be, how about you go pray about it and tell me what the Lord lays on your heart? And then I'll pray about it too. And then when we'll get back together in a week or so, we'll text, call, email, or talk at church. You tell me what the Lord's laid on your heart. I'll tell you what the Lord's laid on my heart. And I'm willing to bet the Holy Spirit's probably going to be bringing these two pieces together. But if I just tell you where to go serve as the pastor, I have needs out here at church, but it doesn't mean you're called to do it. So let's just make that point clear. I don't want us to fill a need tonight. I want us to fill calling. That calling, once again, may not be doing more. It actually may be doing less. It actually may be doing less. Can you go with me to Ephesians 4, please? Ephesians 4. Let's talk about this idea of being called. Called. If you're here tonight, and you are saved, you are born again in Jesus Christ, 
You are no longer part of this world. You've been called out of this world. Yes, you live here. Yes, you work here. But you are just waiting to be raptured out. And until that time happens, the Lord says, I want to use you for my purposes. And if you're born again in here tonight, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. And you have a gift that God has given you. And you have a calling and a ministry to go do something. Now that calling and ministry may not be what you think it is. It may not be going to Africa. It may not be moving across the country. That calling in ministry may be to be the best wife that God has ever called you to be, to be the best husband, to be the best co-worker, to be the best friend, to witness while you're at work. Sometimes that calling in ministry is just being right where you're at in your house, loving your children like Christ, and ministering to them, or your grandkids, or your friends, or your neighbors. But we have to understand what that calling is. Look at Ephesians 4, verse 1. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. Right there. Paul says, I want you to have a worthy walk of the calling with which you were called. So before we can do anything else, now we need to know where you're called. If you don't know, that's what we're going to focus on. Print it off the back. It's a bunch of scriptures. Scriptures are just serving the Lord. I'm not going to read them all to you. Only fear the Lord and serve Him in truth with all your heart, for consider what great things He has done for you. Listen to Jesus. If anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, then my Father will honor. Just seven different scriptures of being called and serving and what that looks like. And I'm not trying to pick it. This is a good thing. If you read Ephesians 4.1 and and you say, I don't know what my calling is, I want you to take one of these papers home and i got a different verse for every day for the next seven days. I want you to pray over it. Just say, Lord, what am I called to do? What does that look like? Once again, let me repeat this point. Don't overcomplicate your calling. Don't. Don't come back and say, you know, James, that's Zimbabwe. Maybe it is. But I'm willing to bet for most of us here, it's probably something to do with Hamlet, Desha, Melinda, Northwest Ohio. It may be doing something at church. It may be doing something at work. It may be being a better wife, a better husband. Maybe going deeper in your walk and relationship with Christ. It may be your parents or kids or grandkids or friends. You know what I mean. Maybe going into work and saying, I'm going to represent Jesus Christ for <clears throat> nine, ten hours I'm here every day. But just know your calling. So I can't stress this enough, Ephesians 4.1. Walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. So we have to understand that we have a calling. Jump ahead to verse 4, same chapter. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called, and one hope of your calling. Do you not sense a repetition here? You were called in one hope of your calling. God says, I called you for a purpose, a distinct purpose. Is that not great? One of the questions I get the most from people is, James, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing with my life. And I always tell them, that's the easiest question to answer. You are here to represent Jesus Christ and to glorify God in all that you do and say. Now, usually at that point, I get somebody who gets a little snippy with me. Okay, yeah, I know that. I mean, more specifically. I usually say, what does there need to be more specific than that? Represent Jesus Christ and glorify God in whatever you do. Wherever you go to work tonight or tomorrow, represent Jesus Christ and glorify God in whatever you do. That's a pretty good calling right there. So you have been called for a distinct purpose. Now you may say, well, what does that look like on a day-in, day-out basis? There may be something more specific. But you've got to get that general calling down. Just represent Jesus Christ and glorify God in all you do. 
So you've been called into this calling, this very special thing. And how does God bless you with this verse 7? But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. To each one of us, a spiritual gift was given. If you are born again and saved, the Holy Spirit has blessed you with a calling and a gift. He has. Once again, if you're here tonight and you're saying, I don't know what that is, that's what your homework is for this week. Take the scriptures, go home, and pray over them. But you have been called. You have a gift that God has called you and he wants you to do. And what does he want you to do with this gift? Look at verse 12, same chapter. For the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. God says, I want you to use that gift I've given you to equip the saints for ministry and to edify the body of Christ. That is the purpose of why we're here tonight. It's to edify each other, encourage one another, and to equip, to give you tools to help you go deeper in your walking relationship with Jesus. I think a lot of times people misunderstand what the purpose of the church is. Church is not designed to get lost people saved. Church was designed by the Lord for believers to get together to give you a time of worship, encouragement, support, and teaching to basically say, okay, let's train this up, let's have a staff meet, and let's get out there and go do something. Now, does that mean you don't bring non-believers to church? That's not what I'm saying in any way whatsoever. But the purpose of church is to equip you to go do work. The purpose of church is to edify you to do this. I love what this says. This is out of John Corson. John Corson, I loved him as a teacher. He says, contrary to what many think, the church does not exist primarily to evangelize. It exists to build up the saints so that they, in turn, will do the work of the ministry. If you come from a church background, the tendency is to think that Christian service happens primarily at church. In reality, however, the most effective ministry happens when you're on the job site, at school, with your buddies, working out, or eating a burger. In the book of Acts, we see the early church hearing the apostles teach, breaking bread together, and then going out to turn the world upside down. That's it. We're here tonight to encourage you, uplift you, give you some service, give you some worship, to give you an opportunity for prayer, and say, go out there and do something about that. To equip you. That means it's work. It goes back to those verses. Fulfill your ministry. Fulfill it. Let us use them. It's a lot of work. But what a blessing it is. Stay in Ephesians 4. Go to verses 15 and 16. But speaking the truth in love, may grow up in all things into him, which is the head Christ. Everything focuses on Jesus. It's not a man. It's not a ministry. It's not a church. It's Jesus. Verse 16. From whom the whole body... Joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working that which every part does its share causes growth of the body for that of finding itself in love. Just do your share. Do what the Lord's called you to do. Now, I think there may be some corporate service there. Maybe you do serve. Maybe you do serve in the back sometimes. Maybe you do serve up here with worship. Maybe you serve behind the scenes and no one knows about it. Maybe you serve by doing hospital visits in ministry. Maybe you serve by going out and helping people move, fixing roofs, putting up ramps. I don't know. But everybody does not share. And this segue in verse 16 is going to take us to our next point. But this idea that we're all working together. There are no island Christians. There's no solo Christians. None of that. God says, I want you to work and minister together. Okay, now go with me real quick to 1 Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians 12. 
And I tell you, when you get this, and it all comes together, man, this is not when you start to see the big picture. Lord, what I do, everything I do, can impact eternity. Every daily interaction can become a divine interaction. And I just want to be available to it, Lord. Everything can just be a simple interaction with somebody. Simple conversations can become spiritual. I was talking to a veteran the other day, and he had a hoodie uh, hat on. So I went up to him and I said, you know, what can I have? Looks like he's served. He goes, yeah, he served over in Korea. And so we just started talking about him serving in the war. And next thing you know, here we are talking about him surviving the war. And he made a comment. And it was only the good Lord that I got out of there. I thought, right there it is. You said God. So, since you said Lord, I'm going to run with this. And we just started talking about the Lord and what it meant that the Lord took him out of that. What, what did that meant? It was just a simple daily conversation to say thank you to a veteran that turned into now a divine conversation. And it's all of a sudden now, every little conversation says, Lord, where are you going to take this? Where are you going to take this, Lord? Because it's not just about going and clocking in and clocking out. It's not about just saying, I just got to get through the work week and I can't wait till my day off. No, Lord. Every interaction could be spiritual. I, I did a few hours of prayer booth here on Monday, and I just love that. I love that feeling of you're just sitting there and somebody walks by and you start a conversation and you have that brief moment of you never know where it's going to go. Now, some of it, you're completely ignored. People don't want anything to do with you. Some of it, they come, they look, and they get away. And then there's other times where there's interaction and then you're praying and next thing you know, they're taking a New Testament and next thing you know, you're planting a seed and it's just this excitement of you just never know what it's going to be like. And when I realize that, it's like, wow, Lord, if I deny myself, and I die to myself, I really see the purpose of life now. It's just you. And so whatever happens, happens. I just want to go out there and do it, because let's put all these passages together. I'm saved by grace and faith, not by works. But I'm created by God to do good works. He's given me specific things to do. He has me to maintain them, provoke them, insist upon them. But then what we're learning tonight is he wants me to fulfill them. And use them. And I just read in Ephesians, I have a gift, a specific gift and calling given to me. And now that I have that purpose, my life now takes on an eternal perspective rather than just the mundane daily living. All of a sudden, I get it, Lord. How exciting is that? But we're going to be in 1 Corinthians 12 here for a second. Anybody got any quick questions, comments about anything we've covered here thus far? Just relaying the groundwork and then now taking to the next step. What does it mean to fulfill your ministry to have a specific calling? Okay, 1 Corinthians 12. Let's go ahead and start in verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. That's why we're stopping tonight and talking about it. Paul says, I don't want you to be ignorant of this stuff, guys. I want you to know the purpose of this. Verse 4. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are diversities of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but the same God who works all in all. I tell you, verses 4, 5, and 6, when I really finally start to understand this, man, it makes sense. Verse 4, there's diversity of gifts, but the same Spirit. We don't all have the same gift. And aren't you thankful for that? If we were all called to be teachers... We'd all be battling for time behind the pulpit on a Wednesday night. There would not be a single person back there to take care of the kids. I'm thankful that right now, tonight, there are people that were called 
you gifted to help us lead worship. There's people that are called to help run the sound. There's people that are called to take care of the kids in the back. There's going to be somebody that's called to come out here after church and clean the church. There's somebody called to pay the bills so we have electricity and air conditioning. There's just a whole bunch of different gifts. But it's the same Holy Spirit working. So you are not going to have the same spiritual gift as the person sitting beside you, and that is good. Because you don't want a bunch of repeat gifts. You want your specific gift that the Lord has called you. Because what happens is if you want everybody to be a cookie-cutter Christian for you, why don't they all feel the same heart I do to serve that way? Well, no, because there's, once it says, verse 4, diversity of gifts. Diversity of gifts. Now, next one. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. Different ministries. If we're all called to only take care of widows who's taking care of the orphans. If we're all called to take care of the prisoners, who's going to go take care of the sick? There's different ministries. And so since there's different ministries, aren't you thankful that certain people are feeling led to go this, and other people are led to do that? Once again, you're all called to love widows, orphans, prisoners, etc. There's different ministries involved with that. Just different ministries. I was talking to someone uh, just today, and the subject came up, and I offered them, I said, you know, do you need a food ministry? They're going through a difficult time. I said, you need a food ministry. Somebody from the church already went over and took care of it. They just went over and on their own. They just went and took care of it. It's all a blessing. I was over last year at someone's house. They were going through a difficult time. So I'm just sitting there just talking to them, praying with them. Someone knocks on the door. They come on in. What happened? They brought a meal over to them. No one asked them to do that. They just did it. And I thought, right there's the body of Christ. My calling is to sit. That's my calling most of the time. I sit. I sit, I pray, I give scriptures. They're calling, drop off a meal. I'm so thankful that there's different people that have different ministries. And sometimes they overlap, but there's differences of ministries, but the same Lord. Now, I have to stop at this moment to go back and repeat the points I said earlier in the message. Please don't become prideful. Your ministry is no better or more important than any other ministry in your church. We have a tendency sometimes to get what I call tunnel vision in ministry. If you get so focused on that one ministry, do you think that's the most important ministry in the whole church? No. There are differences in ministry. Number two, you get frustrated. Why don't people have the same passion for this ministry like I do? They weren't called like you were. So don't get that frustration. Next one. There are different diversities of activities. Verse 6. But it's the same God who works all in all. Differences of activities. You've seen the church bulletin. There's a family game night coming up. There's an activity. Some of you are going to come, some of you aren't. The ones that are allowed to come, come. Enjoy, have fun, be blessed. That's fellowship. Prayer group's going on right now. People are manning that. Thankful for that. Just had a back-to-school giveaway. Just had a VBS, a garage sale giveaway. People were called to be involved in those different ministries and activities. Not everybody's called to do the same thing. But as you've heard me say out here many times before, you may not be called to go do the back-to-school giveaway. Pray for those that are. You may not be called, you may not be able to do the work schedules to go service them in the prayer group. But as you're working, think about those that are. And now you start taking the lesson that we have, and maybe you start saying, you know what, I'm going to fast today for the prayer group. No one will ever know I did it except the Lord. I'm going to fast for the prayer group. I'm going to fast today for the back of school giveaway. And now we can get more specific, where it talks about like the gift of encouragement. I'm going to write them a note that led up that ministry to say thank you for your service and ministry that did that. I may not have kids in vacation Bible school, but I'm going to write them a note to say thank you. 
Because I want to encourage them that are doing God's work. So there's diversities of gifts, difference of ministries, diversities of activities, but it's the same Spirit, it's the same Lord, it's the same God. And look what it says in verse 7. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Your calling, your gift, is there to edify the body of Christ. So if you're still sitting here and saying, I don't know what that is, I want to just refer to one more time. Grab those verses, go home, pray over them, look at them, look at it. I don't know what it is. For some of you, maybe the Lord's saying, I want you to step it up a notch. I want you to do more. For some of you, maybe the Lord's saying, yeah, you bit off stuff that's not my calling. I need you to say no to that. It's not necessarily do more. It may be doing less. But you have to be open and ready for this. And what does that mean? And what does that look like? Can you go with me to Luke 12, please? Luke 12. Luke 12, let's end here with the parable of Jesus. Where Jesus says, I want you to be serving. Look at verse 42, Luke 12. The Lord said, Who then is that faithful and wise steward whom his master will make rule over his household to give them their portion of food in due season? What's a steward? A steward is somebody whose job is to take care of someone else's possessions, etc. You know, we use the phrase a lot in our house, being a wise steward of God's money. It's not my money. It's not Dawn's money. It's the Lord's money. So we're trying to train the kids. It's not being a wise steward of God's money. So therefore, if we're getting fuel and they see all this stuff at the checkout counter, one of the things I try to tell the kids, if they're selling it to you at the checkout counter, it's probably not worth the investment. Be a wise, I'm not trying to pick on anybody. Be a wise steward of God's money. We don't have to go out to eat every time we go to town. Be a wise steward of God's money. Now, one thing I will say that we do on a very regular basis, and I'm not trying to plug the company, but we go to Speedway. Because Speedway has the uh, slushy drinks. They're usually on sale. And every seventh one is free. But there's nine of us in our family. So we get a pretty good deal get going there. You know, that works out pretty well. That's a pretty cheap thing. I just want to throw that out there. If you're coming from a large family, Speedway is cheap. And for basically five bucks, I can give everybody in my family something, and they're quiet for 20 minutes on the way home. So who then is the faithful and wise steward? Steward of being what God has given you. Verse 23. Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Guys, just, just listen to me for a second, okay? We're not teaching. We're just talking at this point. Jesus Christ is going to return. That, that's just a fact. You are a follower of Jesus Christ. When Jesus Christ returns, he takes you home into eternity. Verse 43, you want to be doing his will and work when he shows up. And I'm not saying at that moment, it's like, oh good, Jesus returned the moment I was serving. I'm saying a heart of serving, a heart of saying, Lord, it's not about me, it's about you. Take what we talked about on Sunday, denying yourself, dying to yourself, and saying, Lord, I am your servant, and I know you're returning. And verse 43, blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Verse 44, truly I say to you, he will make him ruler over all that he has. But if that servant says in his heart, my master is delaying his coming, 
begins to beat the male and female servants and to eat and drink and be drunk, the master of that servant will come on a day when he's not looking for him, and an hour when he is not aware, and will cut him in two and appoint him his portion with the unbelievers. And that servant who knew his master's will and did not prepare himself to do according to his will shall be beaten with many stripes. That's a pretty straightforward passage right there. Verse 47, And that servant who knew his master's will and did not prepare himself to do according to his will. We have a spiritual responsibility. This is not a message to scare you. It's a message to say, I want to take this seriously. There's a verse, there shouldn't say a verse, there's a word in the New Testament, the New King James. We don't use it a lot. It's called being sober. And when we think of being sober, we think of, I'm not drunk. That's one term of it. But the other biblical definition of sober is there's a seriousness to what we do. Now that doesn't mean we can't laugh and joke and have fun, but there's a seriousness of saying, I am here on this earth in a tent, it's just a tent, but I'm really working for eternity and all that I do and say. And so every single thing is just an opportunity. I had a situation a few weeks ago, I was working with somebody and I knew I was going to be working with them and be with them for a good chunk of the day. Ended up being with them for about eight hours that day. And that whole day, I just, I just said, Lord, I just opened a door. Just open a door. I really want to talk to this person. It was a burden. And so we got through the first part, nothing. Got through lunch, nothing. Finally got to the end of the day, and we're saying our goodbyes, loading everything up. And then the Lord said, now it's time. Now it's time. My first thought was, Lord, if I would have done this eight hours ago, it would have been a whole lot easier. But it was just eight hours to pray, be prepared, be ready. God opened the door, you take it, and you go. And I want to be the faithful servant that knows my father's will. At that day, I knew my father's will was he wanted me to talk to this person. So my whole day was just this one person. And as I'm working, it's just this one person to have one conversation with. I had the conversation next to him. No, we're praying out in the yard. He's like, Lord, I was there. That's what you wanted. Verse 48, but he did not know, yet committed these things, deserving his right shall be beat with you. Listen, here's the second half of this verse. It's so important. For everyone to whom much is given, from him much will be required. And to whom much has been committed, of him they will ask for more. The Lord is saying, I have given you a gift. I have given you a calling. I have given you a ministry. Go back to our verses. Fulfill it. He's not saying this to scare you. He's not saying this to whip you into shape. He's saying, this is what's going to bring you peace and joy and a purpose in life. It's no more just waiting for that day off. It's no more just watching the clock. No, it is, Lord, every day is an opportunity for you. I have a calling. I have a ministry. I don't know what that is, but I'm going to be in prayer for it. And let me repeat this point again. For some of you, they may be just doing what you're doing. God's called you. Be faithful. For some of you, maybe kick it up a notch. For some of you, maybe you bit off more than you can chew here. This is not my calling. Lose a few things. Back there. Seven different verses about servings, callings, ministries. Take them. Pray over each one every day. And I encourage you to come back next week and say, okay, what is the Lord laid on my heart? It may be something here at church. And if you don't attend here on a Sunday, it may be wherever church you attend on a Sunday. It may be something more at home. It may be something more at work. It may just be keep going. It may be confirmation of something the Lord's already laid on your heart. And you know you should probably do it, but you're afraid to do it or step out in faith. And you may just have that confirmation. The Lord said, no, servant, go. So we can spend this last month talking about works and the good things to do for widows and orphans and the poor, etc. 
But unless we take this last message here and out and say, let's go do it, nothing good comes out of it. It's almost like you trained, you stretched, you're prepared. Now you're finally at the starting line of the race. And Paul says, run the race well. It's time to go. And Paul says, run the race that is set before you. And everybody's race is a little bit different. But be open, open to do the calling and the fulfillment that God has asked you to do. All right, coming up at 8 o'clock here. Anybody have any final questions, comments about anything before we close up with a word of prayer? Take those passages home. Just pray over them for the next seven days. Let's just see what the Lord has in store for us. And I tell you, when you reach that point of just, Lord, it's not me, and denying myself, it's all you. Wow, the doors of ministry just really crazy open up. And some of you already are doing that. You know what it's like. You see eternity everywhere you go. Everything you do is an opportunity to really represent Jesus Christ. You've heard me say this for the last probably month in every message. As the hymn says, the things of this world grow strangely dim. Because you look at it for eternity. Take you stand with me. Let's pray. Lord, we want to be the people who called us to be, and we want to do those verses. We want to fulfill our ministry. We want to take the grace that was given to us. We want to take the gift that was given to us and use it and do it. We want things to be different. Lord, we know there will be opposition. We know there will be difficulties. We know the enemy can push back. In the name of Jesus, help us to put the armor of God on to move forward in you. Make it clear. Make that calling clear. And Lord, now qualify us and empower us to do it. We love you, thank you, and praise you in your name. Amen. Guys, have a good week and God bless.